I'm Kate Daniels. Dr. Michelle Borba is an educational psychologist and former teacher, so has a solid history of working with kids and families. She's also an author who uses books to share her discoveries with the public at large. Today, she brings us her latest book, Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World. This is just the best hands-on guide for parents, for educators, for anyone who works with or cares about young people. Naturally, we want what is best for our kids, and with Dr. Borba, we're going to realize that it's not things, not stuff that helps our kids grow to be caring and involved adults in the world. So let's meet Dr. Borba now and get some insights on what will make the biggest and best difference for our kids in their life. Dr. Michelle Borba, good morning. It is so wonderful to connect with you today. Oh, I'm so delighted to talk to you. Thank you so much. You have been doing this amazing and important work for decades now, working with kids, with youth, with families, working in the world to really come to grips with so many of the challenges that our kids face. Well, the big one that you address incredibly in this new book, Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World, is really a very critical one. We're at a really critical part of our history, and it's really affecting our children, isn't it? Oh, I'm so glad you pointed this out. And, you know, there's no take-backs in terms of when it comes to parenting. Let's figure out how to do this right. But the concern I'm seeing is a very disturbing trend. They've been, think about this, incoming college freshmen over the last 30 years, regardless of zip code, thousands of them have been given the same little narcissism personality inventory. And in 30 years, narcissism rates in our children, our teens, have increased 58%, while empathy has dipped 40%. What's the big deal on that? Narcissism kills empathy. And empathy, we now know, is the seeds for really raising the kid who's going to be the bounce-back child, resilient. He's going to be able to get the job in the real world. He's actually going to be a happier, more successful child. But what we've been doing is defining success all in a GPA. I think we need to be not so narrow and open it up so we start to see a success as a quality kid who's got heart as well as mind. And you've been working on this. You've actually traveled the world seeing where this has been occurring, and and there are good things that are happening in terms of that. But before we get to that point, maybe we need to key in on the things that have been the issue. Well, you mentioned, you know, really focusing on the GPA rather than looking at the heart of the student. What's going on uh, maybe more than that? Yeah, there's a number of things. So we can't just put our finger and blame one thing. I had that same question myself once I saw the statistic. And so each chapter in Unselfie lists here's the reasons for it and here's what you can do about it because this has a solution that's real easy. Number one is certainly the Internet. Uh, Yes, it's wonderful, but while you only face a screen, you don't learn empathy. You've got to face a human being. Our children now would rather text than talk. We're now looking at one-third of infants plugging into iPads. The average child is plugged in around seven and a half hours a day. Circling an emoji does not develop emotional intelligence. You've really got to do face-to-face connection. But play, play is the, also the best vehicle for learning empathy. 
that's starting to clearly dwindle. Our children don't have enough opportunities just to play, and when they do, very often play is not sandbox, but supervised play. So my turn, your turn. My turn, your turn is sort of a, a lost commodity. Stress is building as stress builds in our culture amongst parents as well as kids. This is the most stressed out generation on record according to the American Psychological Association. Stress builds empathy wanes because you're in survival mode. How do I tune it down? Uh, but the other thing that I've discovered is that a lot of the, dis- the discipline are also parenting strategies we're using to raise our children unintentionally we're, are backfiring because they're not based on the latest science. They're based on what we think works or what a parenting strategy book says work, but if you don't check the footnote out, it may not have been the best tool. So it's a combination of toxic forces. So one of the things in terms of how we, how we parent, and we certainly want to be encouraging and nurturing to our kids, yes. but sometimes that's what happens. It goes over the top, doesn't it? Yes, it does, and we should be encouraging to our children, and we should love them because that's exactly what it's all about, love till death, but there's also some pieces. One of the pieces is also our praise phenomenon. We got ourselves on the self-esteem bandwagon, and we misinterpreted it because real self-esteem isn't just praising the kid and giving him the trophies. It's a combination of feeling worthwhile and also feeling competent. We're not giving kids the skills or we're praising them so much for the outside stuff of how you look as opposed to who you are. For instance, when your child comes home from school, the first thing we generally say is what you get as opposed to what kind of thing did you try. So Harvard just did a fascinating study of thousands of parents and teens asking them how important is it to you to care. And only 20% of our teens said that they thought their parents thought it was important. It means we do think it's important, but the message isn't getting through to our kids. We need to talk caring a little more. Just tune it up a little more intentionally. Uh, You can have your child when they walk out the door. Just use a two-kind rule. Say or do at least two kind things to somebody today. And then when they come home, what are the two kind things you did? That takes no more than 30 seconds. But the message becomes powerful to a child because they begin to see, I guess mom thinks this is important. Exactly. And what we understand is parents are concerned to be parenting well. They're doing all this reading and research. So this is the important research to read and really take to heart. Unselfie, why empathetic kids succeed in our all-about-me world. Because parents obviously do want to do well. Oh, we do. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I... I, I don't think I've ever met a parent, and I've worked with over a million of them, who said, I don't want my child to care. We do. But one of the misnomers also is we think it's just automatic. We think that it's just a part of DNA or it's just part of their temperament. So new research says, yes, our kids are hardwired to care. They come with this miraculous ability to feel for another. But unless we nurture it, it lies dormant. And that's why I think a lot of kids, unfortunately, are in kind of sleep mode when it comes to empathy. Tune it up, but let's use the right strategies. It's been a 10-year process writing on selfie, but what I really tried to do was comb the best proven strategies that will make a difference that are also easy, don't cost a dime, and don't take a Ph.D. to be able to implement with our kids. 
and we'll raise a generation of good, strong children. And what's interesting is in the course of this research, so we need to hear this, a decade of research. So this is not something that was just, you know, a flash in the pan kind of thing. During the course of this, you actually spent time with the U.S. Marines, and they certainly had some great insights to share. Oh, it was one of the most interesting things I did. I've, I've had some lots of fascinating experiences, but one of them was being hired by the Pentagon to train uh, counselors on all of our overseas bases in Europe and the Asian Pacific. And while I was there, I uh, talked to commanders and how they were revamping it with Navy SEALs. The Navy SEAL training, the most elite forces that we have. And when I listened to the new training, I went, oh, my gosh, this is so profound. It's based on the latest science. Why are we teaching this stuff to our kids? Because it's that easy. Navy SEALs learn four strategies, and it actually flipped their entire training so that they're able to uh, pass the most rigorous training at Coronado, the underwater diving test. Oh, that's so hard. First one is deep breathing. Teach that to your child. The fastest way to relax is a slow, deep breath. Deep down in your tummy, take it real. Now take it up like going up an elevator, then hold it for a count of two and slowly let it out. If you exhale twice as long as you inhale, I'm doing this as I'm talking to you. I'm so relaxed I can almost pass out because I've been practicing it over and over again. Uh, Monks do the same thing in Tibet. When I was there in Tibet on why they are so compassionate according to MRIs. It's because they practice deep breathing and meditation over again. So one of the chapters is how to help your child learn self-regulation and how to do deep breathing together. It'll help you as a mom as, and dad as well as your child. With little kids, you can put a little teddy bear on their tummy and have them lie down flat and close their eyes so the teddy bear goes up and down and they begin to feel, I was I walked into a, a first-grade class in Redondo Beach, this brilliant teacher named Jennifer Bell. She had all the kids who looked a little stressed, lie down, let's do our, what are we going to do? And all the kids yelled, just breathe. So they lay down. They did it within seconds, half of them were asleep because she had them practicing. But that's one. A second idea is to chunk it. Instead of thinking about the whole thing of being so scary or the whole day of being so scary, Navy SEALs are taught to chunk, just get through the first second. Now, just get through the second second. So you just chunk the task or chunk the fear so you can get through, for instance, for a child, don't think about getting through the whole speech. Just get through the first minute. Oh, you made it. Now get through the second. They also do affirmations. We've been trained that for a long time, but... Do the same thing. Find one affirmation for your child that is a comment that's going to help him. I can do it. I'm strong. I can get through it. One statement and practice it over and over and over again until they can do it without you. And the final is called mental rehearsal, which is fascinating. But if your child's in a fearful moment or like he's afraid of what it could be the playground, then he rehearses in his brain ahead of time with you helping him. What are you going to do? For instance, you're worried about what you can't find your bus? Okay, then let's practice. Here's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to open up your backpack, and you're going to write down the bus number inside. Then you're going to walk to the curb. Then you're going to get on. You're going to say hello to the bus driver. Now you're going to sit down. What they discovered, it the anxiety goes. 
and the child is able to flourish more. There's lots of strategies like those, but I was so impressed with just the revamping the Navy SEAL training. Isn't that incredible? And it is so basic, as, as yeah. you said, so simple that we don't have to go out and buy anything special for this. This is something that is within us to, to work with. That's it. I think a big thing we do is we practice everything with our kids, from violin to soccer to, you know, coding lessons, but we don't practice on how to help them be a good human being. So what I wanted to do was just get together like 300 of the simplest ideas that don't cost a dime. This is not a program. And of these 300, for heaven's sakes, don't do them all, but find the ones that will work for you, your family, most of them take only more a minute a day, but if you keep practicing the same habits like that deep breathing, a minute a day for around 21 days, it starts to kick in and becomes a habit, and your child can do it without you. Yes. Oh, so excellent. So this is all found in this remarkable brand new book, Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World. So the challenge here. If we are not going to be doing this and, and really catching this, and we see, as you earlier said, Dr. Borba, about the statistics, about how far down the path we are away from being empathetic, what is the danger of building more of a narcissistic society? Well, first of all, we're robbing our children of an amazing uh, quality that will help them be not only better people, but happier people and more successful. But there's some other concerns from my own background that worry me. When narcissism goes and empathy wanes, bullying increases, racism increases, aggression increases, cruelty increases. And all you have to do is look at the front page of the news and go, that's what's happening. It matches behaviors. Uh, depersonalization increases. That's online bullying. She deserves it, or she's not anything special. So you don't even see the person as a human being. That isn't an overnight process. Kids don't snap. They slowly start accumulating a mindset of either I'm a caring person or it's okay to, to bully another Look, we're already looking at 20% of our kindergartners engaging in mean behavior. It's increasing at a younger age. All of those behaviors are learned, but so too is caring. And I think what we need to do is flip this thing around because we're also seeing stress building. We are seeing mental health needs of our children have never, ever been this high. Last week I keynoted in San Francisco to the ACHA, which are 2,000 mental health college counselors across the U.S., from Ivy League, from Yale to Harvard to, to state colleges. And one out of three of our children, our best and our brightest, are leaving, going off to school, and will be so overwhelmed that they can't function. Why? Because we haven't taught them coping skills. We have focused so much narrowly on that GPA and that SAT that we're not helping them handle life. I, just dealt with one little boy uh, who, one little boy, he was 18. He was going off to Ivy League. And I said, so how great this is. And he looks so stressed. And I said, what do you worry about? He says, I think I'm going to flunk life. And I said, why? He goes, because I focus so much on my SAT score. I know it's high, but I love my mom to death. I love her so much and I appreciate her, but she's done everything for me. I don't know how to handle life. I think the handling life piece is what Unselfie is all about is giving our kids the tools so they can handle life without us. Yes. And that's a good thing then for parents to hear that sort of comment is to realize 
balance, incorporating yeah. other things than that uh, that score, that GPA, getting the highest grades. Yes. Yeah, it's more to it. Because in reality, what we, we also don't realize is that when we, when we emphasize one or the other, it flips it. What we want to do is do strike the balance so there's an equality between the two. So our kids are kind and they are smart. You certainly, we're not ta- saying, and I'm not saying, so don't stop helping your child be the best he can in school, but give him the other point of view as well, and it doesn't take time. It's just a woven in so that your children can get those skills so they can thrive out there without you. They're not going to thrive just with a GPA. They're going to thrive if they also have the skills. For instance, Chapter 8 is all on moral courage. Uh, one of the things that I, 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 when I interviewed so many kids, uh, that they're most concerned about is the bullying. of kids aren't a victim, and they're not the bully. They're watching this stuff, and they said, I'd I'd do something, but I don't know what to do. Nobody's teaching me how to stand up or what to do. Or it's not just bullying. It's how to stand up to another peer. Peer pressure is huge these days. But what we're robbing our children of is rehearsing the skills. There are lots and lots of habits you can teach your child, but UCLA tells us the best way to teach a new skill to a kid isn't telling them. You know, it's like a lecture, but showing them. So rehearse it with your child. Here's what you can do if you're, you see a friend who's been bullied, and there's, it's called Bully Buster. There's actually seven steps and six steps you can teach that I'd use on a Dateline special, but you give your kids repertoires of what they can do, telling them that not one thing may work, but try the next or the next or try the one that's going to work for you. And then in the real moment, your stress will go down and you can feel like you can make a difference. And this is something that can happen really in a short period of time, that we can turn this around. We can hear, be hearing this conversation this morning and begin to act on it and really incorporate it, and, and our kids can change quickly. They're so adaptable. Oh, I, they're little sponges. They eat us up so quickly, and so it's, it's really important of what we're feeding them uh, because those messages are really getting through them. So, I mean, simply one of the easiest things to do right now is put the pause button on and say, okay, I'm going to take a quick little reality check as the mom or the dad. If my kid had only my behavior to watch this week, what would he have caught? Huh. Is kindness part of the agenda? Because one of the things that we discover about really kind-hearted people, phenomenal people, I looked at rescuers, Holocaust rescuers who were phenomenal on, you know, rescuing perfect strangers. But when we asked them, why did you do it? It was, well, I was expected to do it. That's just how I was raised. How are you raising your child? Not to be uh, necessarily a Nobel Peace Prize winner. That's not what this is all about. But hearing the messages of what matters most to you in your home in your family. There's even a section on how to create a family mantra that you can do really easily of seven steps under moral identity because we know that empathy needs a moral rudder so that he knows what's right or wrong. Take a moment to say, what are the values that, that I stand for? What matters most to me in my home? What do I want to embed in my child? And that doesn't take time. It just takes repetition. Even in the carpool, before you get out the door, remember where the Caring Perlin family is a simple little mantra, and pretty soon it sticks in so that you can ask your child, what do we stand for? And if your child can instantly tell you, it just means you need to repeat it a little more. 
Right. And we can use that then as we are watching movies, watching television, Mm -hmm. seeing a story in a magazine or newspaper to talk about how that fits and what we can do about it potentially, right? I'm so glad you brought that up because Chapter 4 is moral imagination as a habit. What they've discovered is really wonderful stuff. They put MRIs on us, just, and then they watched us as they read passages to us, like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey versus To Kill a Mockingbird. And what they discovered is that those emotionally charged fiction, like To Kill a Mockingbird, like Charlotte's Web, actually activate parts of our brain where our compassion is. What that tells us, don't worry about the MRIs. It just tells us as parents, get out Charlotte's Web and start reading it more. Uh, Stone Fox, Wednesday Surprise, those are fabulous books that opens our children's heart. Our children stop reading for pleasure around the age of nine. And around the age of nine is when we stop reading out loud to our kids. Don't stop reading out loud. Watch films. Yeah, we do it anyway. You can have family film night or during summer. You can even have drive-in movie nights, which means you rotate amongst your neighborhood. Just the old drive, your DVD goes outside, you hang up a sheet, and you watch Dumbo together or you watch October Sky together. Anything that's like an uplifting movie. And what you'll discover as you're doing it is that the kids get a message of, oh, wow, it's an inspiring film, or you can just stop it for a little break at the middle, get some more popcorn and say, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, my gosh, how would you feel if that were you? Because those are the questions, that feels plus need question, that, again, activates empathy, and it's such a simple question. But University of Scotland found the feels plus needs, how do you feel, What do you need in order to feel better? Or how does that person feel? What do they need to feel better? So what are you going to do actually activates their empathy as well. So this is wonderful. We use this within our family. You're sharing with us, Dr. Borba, how to make it a a community and neighborhood effort. So this really expands the circle of how this flows. And then really in the introduction, there's a wonderful story of a very special camp that was started actually about a couple of decades ago, right? Oh, it was uh, when I was writing on Selfie, I had bucket lists of places I had to go and see because they were doing such extraordinary things for children. That that camp, Seeds of Peace, is in Otisville, Maine. It's been on my list for 30 years. It started 30 years ago by a gentleman named John Wallach, who was an AP wire reporter who was always covering the Middle East Accords and said, this is absurd, we're never going to change the adults, let's get to the kids. So every summer around this time, This is when the camp is going for three weeks all over the world uh, from, think about this, Israel, Palestine, Jordan, Egypt, uh, as well as Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, United States, and Britain. Teachers choose leaders, kids, teens around 14 to 16 years of age. They send them to this camp not knowing anyone. Can you imagine an Israeli-Palestinian child now coming together as a camp and they've been taught their entire life to hate one another? Okay, how do you open up their hearts? Because the goal of John Wallach was to plant peace in each of these kids so they could become a seed and later on hopefully go back to their own country and still advocate for peace as a leader years later. University of Chicago has been tracking these kids, and they found it works. Many of these children have not only befriended somebody from the opposite side, their arch enemy, but they learned to open their hearts for them. I was there that day 
and kids told me it takes about two and a half weeks, but if you keep finding out about another person, because they teach you how to listen here, they teach you how to solve problems here, they teach you how to empathize, what happens is your heart starts to open and you'll never go back. It becomes transformational. And those were 14 to 16-year-old kids. So what Unselfie does is teach those same habits. Here's the habits kids need, not only to open their hearts, but, but to just those are the same habits you need for everyday life. You know, uh, one of the things I saw in this camp that's just indelibly part of my heart is that all over these trees are these signs that say, stop and talk. Uh-huh. I'm sitting there going, why aren't these mandatory in our schools and our homes and our, just our communities? Because that's what we need to do. Empathy starts with just tuning in to somebody and stopping and talking. So maybe that's the way to start. Start getting signs up. Stop, put down the cell phone, and talk to the other person who's a real-life human being. And what I hear from this, really from everything that you have shared with us this morning, Dr. Borba, is in neon lights, really, hope. There is a chance to make a change. Sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, we're so far down such a negative path. But no, it's never too late to turn this around and it can happen, as you said, really so quickly. We just have to be open to it and work on it. Yeah, and I think the other thing is we needed tools to figure out what really mattered and what are the habits. I hope I gave everybody those. But what I'm seeing is there's all of a sudden exactly what you said is happening. There are uh, change-making parenting groups who are just deciding to meet together, who are reading on Selfie together, and then they're talking about, okay, so what are some service things in our own community that we could have our kids do? Or what are some other ways that we could use these ideas or some good films we could use or some good books we could use? It's parents sharing together. I just came back from Harvard where I was addressing educators from all over the country, and I created an unselfie uh, educator book guide where you read it together, the unselfie book as teachers, and then you figure out, so how do we implement these in our classrooms? Because that's where we start. If we can do it at home and in our classroom and in our community, can you imagine the message that would send to kids around the world and what kind of children we would be raising? It's, this is clearly something that's doable. This is a, a problem that came up not because of a natural disaster, but it was a human disaster. So all we need to do is push the button that says stop and say, hey, now let's start parenting a slightly different way or just incorporating some of these habits of unselfie so our children can really thrive. Absolutely. And all of them are so well stated with great stories in this new book, Unselfie, which of course we could get at any of our favorite book sources, correct? Yes, you can. It's available anywhere right now. Certainly Amazon would have it in digital as well as hard copy as well as uh, an audio version. So start listening, start reading, and start figuring out what we're going to do to raise a better America. And to further keep in touch, your website, I think, is another good source of information. Oh, thank you for asking. It's michelleborba.com. I'm a 1L girl, so M-I-C-H-E-L-E, Borba, rhymes with Zorba, so it's B-O-R-B-A. Dot com. Well, this Dot is com. <laughs> this has just been so thrilling, just so hopeful and filled with such important information, Dr. Borba. Thank you so greatly for this important work that you're doing and for spending time with us this morning. Oh, thank you. I love that word hope. That's exactly what this is all about. Hope for kids, what we really want for them.